You're listening to Tech Talks, the TV industry podcast from Broadcast Tech Magazine. My name is Jake Bickerton and I'm the editor of Broadcast Sport and Broadcast Tech Magazines. This episode of the Broadcast Tech Talks podcast focuses on how BBC Global News Limited has worked with Base Media Cloud to transition Adobe workstations from Office to cloud-based using virtualized editing machines. The work was started pre-pandemic with COVID-19 lockdown, meaning it went from proof of concept to full rollout over the space of a single weekend. The podcast is with Daniel New from BBC Global News, Byron Wijayavardena from Adobe, and Ben Folks from Base Media Cloud. I think you started working with Base from mid-February, so pre-pandemic, and the idea was to enable team of five editors who are working on is it daily global news programming to work from any location essentially three editors working on virtualized adobe workstations accessing all their content from anywhere in the cloud and then two of them have got editing kit at home and then they use bebop to link into their actual machines we intended to just have three editors uh, working out the cloud and then we had two people working on uh, local machines uh, from their homes we took two edit suites apart put them into people's homes you know even broadcast monitors and speakers mm. so that we, we could kind of uh, split split the risk well started out with three people working in the cloud became four people working in the cloud became you know other people having access just in case and it went from what was going to be just three or four users to a list i think of about 11 users and it went from being what was going to be you will just upload your project to we better have a synchronization between our SAN so we could get all of the latest workflows for, for everybody, all the latest projects, put them into a sync folder, sync that into the cloud. And if you need them, you know, you can go in there. We, you know, we still had a skeleton crew working in the building. What would normally be a longer process, we, we had to get that through in, in, in a very short space of time because uh, it, was, it, was, it was becoming more and more urgent. You know, I don't want to say by the day, but you get to the end of the week and you're kind of reviewing where you're at with things. Yeah, Daniel, I think what was quite interesting about your situation is you've actually called this out way way in advance like it was a good month or so before lockdown was announced when we were on the phone together and so initially we were looking at kind of disaster recovery approach how do we Mm. sync all this data from the studio into the cloud and make it available for editors at home then it became what if we wanted to actually run full virtual adobe premiere workstations in the cloud how much would that cost what would that look like and we did all the different sizing together and we ended up with this kind of multi-cloud architecture where the data from the BBC SAN was syncing continuously to IBM Cloud for backup, which is a really low-cost object store. And then we deployed Adobe Workstations inside Google Cloud Platform with Bebop technology software. And then we integrated the whole thing together, trained up the, the BBC staff, and we did initially a proof of concept, which I think was quite smart to do that ahead of things really kicking off. So the users got a chance to test out the performance, run it over their home networks, make sure they were happy. Correct me if I'm wrong, Daniel, but I think we went from like proof of concept to production in pretty much one weekend, didn't we? And then it was straight into full-blown deliveries. As you said, Ben, about consultation, we've got people in, in, the, in the test process. They're having a play with it. They're feeding, feeding back questions. You know, it wasn't just a question of this is what you're going to be doing from now on. And looking back now, it was a relatively easy. That part of it was a relatively easy process getting the editors on board. Take me back to that weekend. I mean, that sounds uh, a lot to cram into two days. Essentially, we'd already built the platform because the proof of concept has to be the production environment so you can get the true experience of it. Bebop's a really smart piece of software. It's a software as a service platform that 
integrates with a PCA over IP technology called Teradici, which a lot of listeners will be aware of. And mm. the way to think of it is like turbocharged remote desktop services. So we can provide a full post-production facility actually hosted in the cloud where the storage that's hosting your media is cloud side. The actual machines, the workstations themselves are cloud hosted with big fat GPUs, graphics card units, and the software like Adobe is installed on that machine. And this is something that if you wind back 10 years, we were talking about and we were kind of investigating my old post house, but the technology wasn't mature. It wasn't really fit for purpose at the time. And now it's, it's readily available. We got the users onto it and really the, the migration from proof of concept to live was more about media management. So it was Daniel's team getting the assets that they wanted synced from the studio into the cloud storage. And then it was a seamless kind of switch on, on the Monday morning. Individually, we work with the users to help them optimize their networks. We did things like we shipped a couple of zero client workstations, which are very small computer devices, which are basically like a gateway to the cloud. We shipped some of these to people at home. We had one of the editors working in Wales, getting fantastic experience back to the cloud. So yeah, the actual flip from POC to live was very, very quick and easy. And I think it's because of all the prep work that went in in advance. From a practical point of view, what does it enable your editors to do now that say they couldn't back in February? It's just exactly what you would do in a normal work environment. You can share your media, it's very quick. You can deliver it wherever you, wherever you want to. And then also sharing out for viewings and getting sign off. One of the things they're able to do is share out of there just as quickly as you could as if you had somebody working in the room with you. And also as well, if you get up in the morning and you can start work straight away without having to get on a crowded train and worry about your own health, it's good for your own well-being. We've kept ourselves connected with our team meetings and Zoom and everything else. And so therefore everyone knows what they're doing and then they can just crack on with it. There's no issues around being in the building or waiting for anyone to come to you or, or any of that. So as long as you stay connected and, and work, you pretty much have exactly the same workflow as you would, but in the comfort of your own home. You've talked about this distributed workforce that you have now. Is there any desire to go back to what you had before? Is there any need to have a big office space anymore? Are you going to bring people back? I think if you look at the cost of real estate in London, and if you're talking about spending tens or hundreds of thousands of pounds in rent on a building over a year, then if you could cut that in some way, then I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll, you'll do it. I want to bring in Byron because Adobe has been you know, a long-term ambassador for cloud-based uh, workflows, obviously Creative Cloud subscriptions were brought in quite a few years ago now, and you can virtualize Adobe Edit Suites in the clouds we've been talking about. Can you talk, um, Byron, about why Adobe saw the cloud appears earlier than most other companies in your space? Adobe was really the kind of leader in desktop software and they were selling Photoshop, Premiere, After Effects, etc., mainly through distribution resellers in, in boxes. And they were only able to deliver kind of fundamental innovation every 12 to 18 months. And even though that was profitable for Adobe, they kind of foresaw that there were kind of stormy seas ahead. For example, Adobe wasn't growing in line with the explosion of content being created. Its product cycles were slow to keep up with the pace of innovation and engineers wanted to deliver innovation a lot faster than that was possible in the 12 to 18 month cycle. It didn't have a direct relationship with its customers to understand what kind of features they kind of most value or most need. And they were kind of struggling with, to attract the next generation of creative users. Adobe realized despite all their success, 
they had really a unique opportunity at that time to completely reimagine the creative products and the whole ecosystem. So that's the point where they decided to turn the whole creative business on its head and give the ability to innovate and offer faster updates, ditch the boxes, and then move to a subscription-based model. Our message last year was we wanted to untether people from the desktop. And I think this year, they've literally had no choice but <laughs> be untethered. What would you recommend for companies in the media space that are looking to sort of transition networking? Would you recommend moving or at least looking into what Adobe offers for post-production? Yeah, 100%. So um, for those who don't know, I actually used to be an editor and that's how I got into the industry. So 20 years ago, I was sat there bashing away on Final Cut Pro and Avid and editing various shows. And and so I've kind of gone through the ranks of how all that works. And and I followed Adobe really closely and, and also used it for, for productions in my previous post house. And what's really interesting is just the rate of development and the rate of advance. And I think to Byron's point about that direct to consumer or direct to user relationship is so key. So if you look at the product release schedules for these applications these days, it's continuous development, which which you could translate as continuous improvement. And it's the same across all the different cloud products that we do. It means that if you're using these things, every couple of weeks, there's a new improved feature coming out that you benefit from immediately. If you're an editor or working in post-production and you're not currently running Adobe Creative Cloud, check it out because um super powerful really adaptable and, and obviously there's big cost savings as well will hardware-based manufacturers and traditional software vendors have to reinvent themselves and all become software as a service companies i think the software as a service model provides a lot of value to the user because it's very flexible and adaptable but unless you know what you're doing success in the industry can be quite tough and technology in the cloud is, is kind of no walk in the park. There's a, a lot of testing and, and slow progress sometimes. But I believe research has showed that, you know, 86% of companies will be re- running entirely on a SaaS business model by 2023. Adobe Creative Cloud and even Microsoft Office 365, for example, they're not pure SaaS services because we're kind of at a midway between traditional on-premise and SaaS because people still need to download the applications to make mm-hmm. use of the compute power to run the software but we've got products like adobe spark that work entirely in the cloud so you can edit video in the cloud you can add graphics and you can output it so that's something that we're always kind of looking at and trying out and testing there's a lot going on behind the scenes that you need to get right before you actually offer it out as a service to everybody so there's a big cultural shift happening or you could argue it's already happened whereby SaaS companies are continually talking to their end users and they're getting feedback there's like a feedback loop that's continuous so um, it's not just about updating the software but it's also about the direction of the companies like the things they're making are what the users actually want i think there's going to be some challenges for companies who haven't yet implemented a cloud strategy and they're a bit late to the party because what's going to happen is all the really innovative vendors who've already gone out and developed are going to start winning these orders because people need it right now and the laggards, if you like, like the companies that are still pushing hardware and that's all they do, I really think they're going to take a big hit. Why would you go buy multiple hundreds of terabytes of physical storage now when you can have more of a hybrid, low-cost model? So, yeah, the whole the whole industry is going to change. Well, I've been reading a book called No Rules Rules, which is all about Netflix. 
And the, it's a great story. They start off talking about Blockbuster, you know, a traditional hardware-like company that just rented out cassettes and DVDs and stuff. And they didn't think about the future and innovation. And Netflix came in and actually pitched to Blockbuster and says, we'll take everything and we'll, we'll take it online for you. And they didn't want to know. The rest is history, really. So is there any reason not to go to the cloud for companies to think, oh, hold on, let's pause here and think about things? Or could most companies benefit in a similar way? I think where the limit, limiting factors are at the moment is IOPS and bandwidth on cloud storage for really high performance read speeds for like full 4K blown editing and finishing. You can do it, but you have to put so much horsepower onto it and it ends up costing a lot of money per terabyte. But that's going to change you can do pretty much anything in the cloud now and there's some really cool products out there but if you're at home on a one meg or two meg internet pipe it's just not going to be fit for purpose and so it will be awesome when you know we've got pervasive 5g and one gig pipes going to the home um, in the meantime what we typically recommend is if you've got a 20 to 50 meg download speed um, in your home connection and we can definitely get you onto a remote workstation and definitely get you working from remote cloud storage um, and if you go up above that then your experience just gets better and better i hope you enjoyed this episode of the broadcast tech talks podcast please subscribe rate and review and i'll see you next time